What's going on, Spurs fans? I'm Tom Petrini, that's Evan Klosky, and this is the Big Fundamental Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five. Evan, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. These NBA games are just rolling. <laughs> Three games in the books already, and I feel like we just blinked. I know. We, we've seen six competitive Spurs basketball games, and it, it feels like it's only been a week. Um, you know, it's it's been going so fast. Uh, and these bubble Spurs have been going so fast. Uh, that, that's something we'll talk about today, the, the faster pace that they're playing with. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we got to talk about uh, – that that heartbreaking gut punch of a loss against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 132 to 130, Spurs led by four with about a minute left. Couldn't hang on. If they did win that game, they would have been in that ninth seed just a game behind Memphis. Um, instead, they fell to 10th. And it was it was really tough loss in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, there was a, a missed 24-second violation obviously one play of many um but there were also some little mistakes and and uh rookie moments or not rookie moments but young guy moments and that's going to happen when you're giving the young guys opportunities to learn and grow and uh compete in this bubble yeah what jumped out to you from that game i mean first off let me just say uh i i actually didn't think the spurs played a pretty good game like that whole game I thought they were going to get crushed at some point. And the third quarter happened, and I was like, okay, here we go, because uh, San Antonio was playing so lackadaisically. Uh, they were playing well off the three-point line, and the Sixers had tons of looks. They were making a ton of them. They were missing some of them. I thought the dam was about to break at some point there. The offense was not flowing as well as we saw the last couple of games. The ball was sticking, and it was great because – you know, DeMar and Rudy were scoring, and that's cool. When, when you're doing that and you're putting the, the ball in the hoop, I'm fine. But eventually you're going to hit a wall, and that kind of happened there in the third quarter. Uh, credit DeMar and Rudy for really, I mean, first, second, and fourth, kind of having a big game. Derek White gets hot. They get a bunch of stops. I mean, I really did love the comeback. I mean, there was so much to like of just, you know, them like sticking to it and and really putting themselves in a chance where they should have won it which is crazy because I never felt like they were ever going to win that game up until like three minutes left I'm like holy smokes like I think they're going to pull this one out and uh yeah I think you saw what happened there with the a little bit of I'm just gonna say I think that Jante wanted to be the hero I think he really uh he waved off DeMar there at the end uh, with 20 seconds left. DeMar was crushing it. He was, I mean, he is the closer. I've been making that a thing now in the bubble spurs. He's been amazing. Down the stretch, he's been absolutely amazing. There is no reason why DeJounte should have waved DeMar off. He was coming up to get the ball, and DeJounte didn't get a good look. It wasn't even a good shot. So uh, a little ups- I'm actually most upset about that because I think that was pretty controllable. Um, then DeJounte owned up to the defensive mistake, just something you cannot do. I mean, how on earth, when you're up two, are you going to allow your shooter to have a wide open three? And I get it. They've been doubling MB the entire game. If he scores, he scores. You still have the final shot to win the game. So I, that doesn't hurt you. Let him get two. If, you know, I just uh, – that was mind-blowing to me. And, um, you know, Derek White, this is a free throw, which – 
free throws happen. I'm, I'm not, you know, some people really heckle on that. And I know DeMar missed two on, on Sunday, which is bad. You know, miss one, okay, two is bad. But um, DeMar absolutely made the right decision at the end to dump it to Yak. And Yak not yamming that thing home is just a huge question mark. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you touched on a lot of things there. Um, and I want to get into sort of a bigger discussion about DeMar's role a little later on. Uh, but just on DeJounte first, I'll have to watch the full tape again on that wave off. I, I know a lot of people were talking about that. Um, if, if I remember that possession correctly, I think they were trying to get DeMar open, but having a little bit of a difficult time because he had been so hot down the stretch. I mean, he finished with 30 points. Um, I think he had 17 in the first half and 13 in the fourth quarter, none in the third. Um, and, and yeah, DeRozan was cooking last night. No idea. Probably get a better look, uh, if it's the balls in his hands for, for that last possession for the Spurs there. Um, and then defensively on that, on that three point shot by Shake Milton, um, you know, I, I understand the criticism, obviously, uh, Mondris got me inbound as the inbounder. That's, that's a basketball 101 thing. But sometimes the most dangerous guy is Joel Embiid because he's a hulking freak who nobody on the team can guard. Uh, and he was giving Yaka fits all night. Um, that was another thing was Pirtle picking up two quick fouls. I know we both saw that and said, oh, um, that, was, that was a big thing going into the game. It was like he's going to need to be smart and not foul out after fouling out against Sacramento two quick fouls. He goes to the bench a minute into the game and the Spurs are kind of behind the eight ball from the jump, but they fight back into this game. They were down 14 in, I think late third quarter, early fourth quarter. Yeah. They were um, fourth, I think down 14. And, and they came all the way back on the third game in four nights in a game that they had no business winning. When I, when I saw the schedule come out, I said, okay, this is a game I'm not going to win. And they vastly, exceeded my expectations for them in this game uh with with their their competitiveness and how close it was um but on that on that last defensive play with uh with Milton um you know there was definitely some overhelping it was it was almost like DeJounte didn't realize how big he was and how much he can play center field with those go-go gadget arms um you know like he he could have been playing a little bit closer ball so that he could rotate to that to that three point uh, three point shot. Um, and uh, you you talked about that. Derek Derek missed the free throw. Everybody misses free throws. Hate when it happens in a in a clutch moment. But so Dejounte had some not so good moments down the stretch. Derek missed the free throw, and then Yak with a chance to dunk the Spurs into the lead. Uh, I, I watched that play so many times, and I, I still don't really understand why he didn't go up stronger with it. It looked like he went up, and his and his arms just didn't extend. It looked like they locked out at 90 degrees. I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I'm mind-boggled. And again, if you slow it down and you freeze frame, Embiid was so out of position. And that's why, you know, automatically – first off, I love these people who complain about DeMar – not shooting it. And these are probably the same people that make fun of DeMar before the stoppage that said like, oh, he's not clutching all these things. Um, he made the right pass. 
Embiid overcommitted. He completely overcommitted. So, yeah, I don't want DeMar shooting a baby jumper over a seven-foot freak. Yak was wide open on somebody half this size. All he had to do was yam it. And not only that, he might have drawn the foul. It might have been a plus one, which I don't know if Yak makes the free throw, but that's another thing. Um, but but beyond that, and not, and I want to say quickly also, the Spurs were completely bailed out because Yak rebounded the ball with 20 seconds left off and Beads missed free throw, and the Sixers didn't foul him. They were able, yeah. The Spurs were able to get a timeout, and that was like two seconds after he was kind of fumbling around over there. But how they didn't foul Yak right away to get him to the free throw line, I mean, that was very lucky for the Spurs. Um, but, you know, again, uh, just, just some sort of big picture items because, um, you know, the game against the Grizzlies was great. The game against the Kings was, uh, you know, DeMar closing. Uh, and I think you want to talk about this a little bit, but the offense has just been electric. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this the, – the reason that we haven't seen this lineup much – at all in the regular season outside of uh you know the injuries is the question of where the shooting come from well it's coming from Derrick. he's averaging over seven three-point attempts per game in the bubble so far uh and i think he's hit 11 of 23 uh which is a very high efficiency um so so he's been stepping up lonnie walker has been shooting the three effectively um and you know, I know this is something that we've talked about all year is Lonnie's shot selection, more letting the game come to him instead of forcing it into a crowd, shooting that open three when he's got it. He's been shooting that open three and it's been falling and it's been opening up a lot of things for the Spurs. Pops talked about it. These play, these players have talked about it. Um, and when they're getting stops, they can run a transition. Brokeldon Johnson in the mix. He's another guy who plays really high-level defense, gets running in transition, gets after it on the boards, dives on the floor. Um, this team is playing really fast. Like the the pace in these past three games has been uh, pretty breakneck. I'm going to pull up some some stats here in a sec, but yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the the new look Spurs. It looks like a completely different team to me. It does. And, and first off, uh, you know, I see Popovich kind of getting some credit in the national scene. I tend to give credit to Will Hardy, Becky Hammond, Mitch Johnson, those guys, because they were the one during uh, the pandemic who I think were the ones delving into the tape. Pop said it himself. He didn't look at one single piece of video. Um, and I think, you know, maybe Brian Wright has a piece of that saying, hey, look, the odds aren't in our favor. Let's please try and see how this looks for next year. And uh, it's, it is sort of small ball. I mean, when Yacht's out there, not really. But um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is they are pushing the pace. And when they are right, they are facilitating through DeMar, which we have said, I mean, I remember saying this point and, and doing something on air back when the Spurs blew out the Grizzlies in Memphis that game, if you watch it, I mean, DeMar needs to be a guy who gets like eight, nine, ten assists a game now. Like that sort of in – his, in, his, in that role in this offense, the Spurs are scary because he is really – he his vision is amazing. And the, some of the passes he makes are just remarkable. And if Derek 
and you know Derek can hit his threes, which I think I'm assuming analytically they've seen something with Derek. He's a great three point shooter. Just shoot it and like don't worry about missing. You know as many times you do because you're going to make a ton too, and it's going to equal out if not be more helpful. Um, and Dejounte, I mean, off and on sometimes, but his jumper still looks like he's a 50 percent type of shooter out there from the elbow and whatnot. Um, it's it just it just works. Um, it's just a better brand of basketball. The and and we're seeing some of that old Spursian ball movement versus you know running pick and rolls, ISOs with Demar, and having Lamarcus Aldridge do a turnaround jumper fadeaway, and the ball's not sticking as much. Here's a crazy stat for you: uh, that starting lineup for the Spurs. Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl. Uh, any guesses for their offensive rating in 22 minutes through these first three games in the bubble? Oh, I think I saw this. It was like, like a 122, 136. points per 100 possessions. That's insane. Yeah. Defensive rating took a, a big hit after that game. Uh, up to 120 for them. Uh, but before, before that game, in those first two games, uh, they, that lineup had like a, a plus 30 net rating, um, which is just insane. And you, you touched on it. It's, it's kind of small ball. It's kind of not. It's a, it's a small ball paradox because you have a center who's seven foot one, and then you have four guards, but the four guards are all big guards. So it, it's, Pop, Pop said uh, before the game the other day, you know, we, do, we don't have a point guard. We have wing players. Mm-hmm. We, have, we, have, we have perimeter players. Um, and the interchangeability of who can bring it up and initiate the offense has been really nice. The facilitation through DeMar has been excellent. Uh, and I wonder if that's maybe a factor in the Philly loss because in these first couple of games – and the scrimmages, we've seen DeMar kind of settle into the game, set his teammates up, you know, draw doubles, pick his spots, and, and really save his energy for that fourth quarter. Um, but in this game, he, he had 17 points in the, in the first half and really came out of the gate strong. Um, and it was, it was great putting the ball in the hole, but I'm wondering if maybe the team does better when he starts out by getting everybody else involved, getting in their rhythm. And he said post-game the other night, you know, I, I know my rhythm is going to come, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, so maybe that is the, uh, the added benefit, and, and it might be a necessary one for the Spurs, getting those guys involved. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I – I thought watching just the first couple of minutes of that Sixers game, I thought they were a pretty bad mismatch for the Spurs because they're huge. And so, and they're all, you know, able to play in the perimeter. So I thought they were kind of presenting an issue that the bubble Spurs haven't ran into before. And so I, you know, I think there's some tinkering that can go on there. And uh, I think maybe the Sixers over adjusted and kind of forgot about DeMar, you know, just kind of let DeMar do his thing. So you know, there's some of that, like, well, DeMar, if they're going to give it to you, take it sort of deal. Um, but overall, um, I, I do think there is some truth to that. 
you know, Lonnie kind of was a ghost against the Sixers. And he's a bit of a spark plug as well. And somebody who, uh, honestly, after DeMar, I kind of think Lonnie is the next, well, sorry, I should say Derek's probably the next clutch guy. Lonnie is close to Lonnie. He, he comes up in some big spots. We, were, we obviously remember that Rockets game earlier this year. Uh, Let, let's he, talk about Lonnie for a sec, because in, in the Sixers game, he didn't play as much as I thought he would. He didn't play at all in the second quarter for some reason. And then in the third quarter, he started. But uh, after a big dunk, it looked like he was favoring his left leg a little bit, either the knee, which he's had problems with, or the ankle. Um, he was playing in the fourth quarter, but he looked a little dinged up. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell. It seemed like he like banged knees. That that's what I was I was gathering with with Lonnie. Uh, we'll see in the injury report, but uh, which should be out soon, by the way. Um, but be- I I almost asked Pop after the game, and then I think subconsciously I was like, no, because if I ask him, then he'll be like, wait, is Lonnie hurt? And then hold him out for the rest of the bubble. And yeah. <laughs> He won't give you anything either. That's the other thing. Uh, But, you know, I'll say this also with Lonnie. I mean, Keldon is kind of proving that he deserves to be on the court in crunch time over somebody. And Lonnie, I mean, certainly in that game, Lonnie was the person you had to pull out. We have seen him pull out DeJounte down the stretch for Keldon. Keldon, like, he's he's always in the plus. Like, you look at plus minus, which is a faulty statistic, mind you. Like, you know, it doesn't tell the whole story 1,000%. But when Keldon is in the game, good things happen. Just bare bones. Like, it does. He is, he, you know, and yesterday they needed him to be a spark plug, and he, he was doing it. I mean, he just Keldon, – Keldon has easily been the most impressive guy I've seen in the bubble – and as I, you know, I think I said on Twitter, I know it's cool. It's the cool thing to do to gush over Keldon. And, but it's, it's true. He like, you know, it's not just about the smile and all this stuff. He is playing some awesome basketball. And the two kind of critiques I had on Keldon, and we can play back one of our, our podcasts before the shutdown. I said three-point shot needs a lot of work. And his vision is usually not that good. And his three-point shot has looked awesome. And his vision has looked better as well. He's still not getting a ton of assists, which is a bit of an issue. But the vision that I see from him and making the extra pass, that has improved. So uh, Keldon in the bubble so far on threes, he shot four of seven. That's 51%. Not so bad. Um, And, I mean, that that play at the end of the game against the, uh, the, the Kings, it was the Kings, right? I think it was the Kings. It was the Kings. It's, it's yeah. already been so long yeah, ago. No, it was the Kings. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the two the two weeks since yesterday. Uh, but he, the way he attacked off the catch, because De- Demar drove past three guys, tight rope the baseline, jumped in the air with nowhere to go with the ball, yeah. as he does from time to time. And he whipped this pass out to Keldon. He was pretty open at the arc. Um, but the Spurs were up, however many they were up, it made sense for him to go for the higher percentage look than go for the three. Um, and so he split his feet at the arc, took one power dribble and like took off toward the basket. 
Like, like I think that where he took off from, he could probably dunk it from, like, with nobody in his way. One power dribble in from the three-point line and launching. And, it, you know, Sean, Sean said it, breaking down that play during the broadcast, it was so impressive the control that he showed. Jumping straight up to not charge into anybody, hanging in there, finding the perfect pass to DeMar right underneath the basket. Um I think his vision has really improved a lot playing point guard in uh, Austin, but the role that we're seeing him play with these bubble spurs is very much um, – he, he's, he's playing sort of the way he did at Kentucky. He was the third option there. He was playing as the small ball four, and he's done that for the spurs sometimes. I think he's taller than 6'5". I think he might be as tall as 6'7 by now because, remember – He's 20 years old. He just turned 20. And that, you know, I always throw out the Corey Maggette thing out there and people go, oh, you know, he's nothing like a, like the thing is with Maggette, like everyone's like, oh, Maggette was bigger and stronger. Like, okay, watch for Keldon in the next three years when his body is fully developed. If you think he's big body now, imagine what he's going to do when he puts on like 20 to 30 pounds of muscle and, you know, really builds into his frame and maybe grows and up. He is, he is big body now. Like he's, he's shredded and he loves contact. He's not, a, he's not afraid to jump into anybody. Uh, he'll stick his nose in there and get that basketball. Happen. Imagine what's going to happen when he fills out. Like that's, to me, that's like, whoa, you know? And so, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I kind of need to see a bit more of his mid-range game. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really get a lot of that because we don't need to see a lot of that. So, exactly. um, you know, so I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but, you know, if driving it, I mean, my thing is sort of free throws. Uh, I'm noticing he's not the world's best free throw shooter. And the way that he plays is sort of, you know, with DeMar, he's going to get to the free throw line a lot. Like he's going to have to really work on hitting I mean, he needs to be like an 85% free throw shooter if he's going to be driving that much and getting that much contact. So, you know, that's something I'll also look forward to. Um, but, you know, I, I do, because we kind of peppered around it, I do want to talk a little bit about DeMar and how, how satisfied I am watching him in this role. And, and I'll give you the reins first to kind of talk about DeMar because I have my own thoughts about moving forward with DeMar. So uh, DeMar Rosen in these three bubble games, uh, he has made 26 baskets shooting over 60% from the floor, and he has 21 assists to seven turnovers. Um, I mean, he's, he's also 18 to 22 from the free throw line. Um, I, I think the way that he has initiated and the way that he has um you know developed chemistry with these young wings that the spurs have out there and with purtle um it's really encouraging and uh he even he even shot a three he's he's attempted three three point shots in these three games that's that's, that's all it needs to be he's still turning down plenty of wide open ones yeah uh but if he can just make the defense think about it, I, I know we've been saying this for years at this point now, uh, but if, if he can just keep the defense honest, there was, there was one shot 
in either Sacramento or, or the Memphis game where he caught it pretty much wide open in the short corner. And it, it, he didn't know what to do. He, like, took one dribble in, and then he was like, wait, I should shoot that, and stepped back with his big toe on the line and hit the, and hit the shot. I was like, just shoot, just shoot the first one, man. Yeah. But but even that part of his game has been a little bit better in the bubble. He's, he's playing as his uh, pretty much self-actualized self, I think. What about- yeah, I, I think I, I think that Demar has been tremendous, and in this role, you know, I've kind of seeing him play in this role. I'm starting to think there might be a future here, and. Uh, of course, I will give you fair warning. The Spurs are probably going to have to overpay for DeMar to keep him around for four years. I mean, he's, this is his last big contract. He's going to want to get paid. But I always say this, what are the Spurs going to use that money for? So, you know, I, I mean, who are they getting with that money is, is my big thing. If they have a, a star in DeRozan who loves Popovich, who I think can now at least see what his role would be like in the future – um, you know, I think there's something to be said about that. And, you know, next year you're going to have to figure out how LaMarcus Aldridge fits into the equation. I think also that LaMarcus Aldridge would be a great fitness offense, but he too needs to take a step back in what he's always done. That is what DeMar has done in the bubble. He's, he's shifted what we've seen from him to now perform in what the new look offense is going to be like. And guess what? He's still scoring a ton of points, right? Yeah. Give the ball to him at the end of the game. Here you go. Make, you know, make your run. And, and not to mention, he's probably conserving energy too. And on top of that, when you play with the lineup that they have in the starting rotation, his defense isn't an issue anymore. Now he's, he is the last, like he is now number Bingo. five defensively. So now you are you you are harnessing all of Demar Derozan for his good, and you are now taking away his bad. And guess what? If Demar is the fifth, I shouldn't say the fifth. If he is the worst defender on the court, that's okay. We saw him make a really smart move against Embiid for a steal yesterday. He'll have some of those moments. He's still a very smart player. He just, I mean, defensively speaking, you know, I think when you see him play the Rockets and he gets put in ISO, it could be a problem, but. Beyond that, like, there's just so much to gain there. And that sort of blueprint needs to go to LaMarcus and be like, hey, if you want to be a part of this in the future, we need you shooting threes. We need you to stop with the turnaround jumpers, the post-ups. All that crap has to go. And I think we can find a really nice role for LaMarcus, too. I'm so glad you brought up DeMar's defense because you're so right. He is so much better playing defense when he doesn't have to share the floor with Bryn Forbes, uh, I mean, when when they have a rim protector in Pirtle and three, because the Spurs one through four now can switch everything pretty much. Um, so it, it completely changes what they do on the defensive end of the floor. And then DeRozan becomes the guy that you can hide. And guess what? DeRozan's like six, seven fast twitch muscles and a really cerebral player, as you said. So he can make those good, you know, swipe in defensive plays if he's in the right spot, if he, if he times it right. And we've, we've seen some of that from him in the bubble already. Um, so I'm, I'm very glad you brought that up. 
it's it's definitely seeing him play with this group has been really encouraging. Um, as for the Lamarcus Aldridge question, I I completely agree. And you know, we saw it earlier this year. The Spurs turned things around when he took a more complimentary role and set more screens, popped for more threes, shot more threes, and he was very efficient on those. But, you know, think about how different this Spurs team looks next year if you have those two guys playing as their optimized selves with, you know, Aldridge could basically be the prototype stretch five, you know? Um, And if you put him with these guys, like you said, cut the crap on the post-ups, he's still going to post up a little bit, but hopefully it's just a little bit. Just in the right spots. Get out of your system. He, he he needs to, and this is something I've said on on the pod earlier in the year. He needs to Dwight Howardify his game, and you know, stop worrying about getting elbow touches and and posting up, and doing it that way, and focus more on the ways that he can operate as a a free flowing part of a free flowing offense. Um, instead of bogging things down. That's, I, I don't think he can't play at this fast pace that the young Spurs are playing at, especially, you know, D, the, the fast break starts with a rebound most of the time. Uh, so they need a glass cleaner, and he's a, a very good one. Um, and he's, he's a good passer once he gets those rebounds. He's a good outlet passer. Um, so he has a role to play there. He has a role to play running the floor and spacing the floor. Um, it's, you know, if you were going to put a center with this Spurs group, I would imagine you want him to be a pretty good three-point shooter. And Aldridge could be one of one of the best shooting bigs. Uh, I mean, he is one of the best shooting bigs in the game still. Um, so I, I think as far as those future conversations go, obviously we still got five times in the East. Um, but uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying like, oh, this is proof the Spurs don't need Aldridge. And it's like, well, maybe they don't need Aldridge, but there's still a ton of potential if you can, if you can put him in the right way. It's just the, exactly what you said. It comes down to both players changing what they do a little bit and taking a little bit of a step back. Yeah. And, you know, look, it is so easy after three games and, you know, them winning two, looking, you know, should have winning all three to say, let's just keep everything the same. Let's just forget about everyone else. These are the units next year and whatever, but that's not how it's going to happen. And you don't know if things are better or worse with those options. That's why we're at least getting some version of like, Hey, we know how this works. Let's see how what's going to happen next year. And then, you know, when you have like this lineup, which, we have been clamoring for forever to do something like this. Like, I don't know why it took until a pandemic for this to happen, but you know, then I think you mentioned it as well. If you, if you have a lineup like this, then you could put Bryn in the second unit and you can kind of mix and match Bryn and Mills and, and, and kind of combine what their minutes are and allow them to share that time and be a shooter. Then then you can utilize Bryn's ability to be that shooter in the second unit where it's not as important 
and he can still make a, a pretty good impact there. I mean, he's still a, 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 a above average three point shooter uh, in the NBA, and that that has extreme value. Um, so yeah, I just don't want him starting. But beyond that, I think if you know if you have Bryn in a limited role, um, the only problem is Bryn and Patty are the same players so you can't to me have Brennan Patty out there you need Bryn with Keldon and in either White or or Lonnie or DeJounte like you need to allow Lonnie DeJounte and Derek to start and play together and then you mix and match them throughout the night to have them in lineups and then you bring them all back together towards the end and you you know you automatically keep that flow going and that's how that works when we get everybody together I don't know, but that, you know, that's part of what I'm seeing. Um, you know, I do want to quickly give a shout out to Rudy Gay, uh, you know, outside of shooting horrendously against Memphis. Uh, I mean, even in the preseason games, he has looked great and he's been hitting his three pointers. He's been looking like the Rudy Gay we saw last year, not what we saw at the beginning of it, you know, throughout mostly the entirety of this season. Um, you know, he's still a bit clunky. You know, age is is getting the best of him at this point. I don't think he can bend at his knees as much. But um, he is shooting the lights out of the ball. And he's providing some positives there with the second unit. Just like Keldon, when Rudy comes in a game, he's got positives. I mean, good things happen with Rudy, too. Uh, Rudy, 17 from three in the bubble so far. He was 31% during the regular season before the, sh the shutdown. Um, and you're right. He, he definitely, uh, he, it's tough when he's out on the, on the perimeter because his foot speed just really isn't there uh, to, to guard, just to, to stay in front of most guys. Um, that's, that's one, one problem area. And then another is just, just paying attention defensively. He gets lost on defense more than I would like any veteran to. Uh, but in terms of what you can expect from him, he's far exceeded my expectations for him in the bubble. Um, you know, he, he doing what he can to help this team win. And, you know, he can be a, a small ball stretch five. Uh, and, he, and he still puts it on the deck and has that ISO game, that post-up game, and can get a, he can be one of those guys to just go get a bucket when you need a bucket. Uh, so his value has been really important in the bubble. And then, yeah, as far as Bryn goes, uh, this is a metaphor I've used before. He's, uh, he's a scalpel, right? You can't use him for everything. But if you need a scalpel, he's, he's there and he's great. Derek White, DeJounte, Lonnie, they're more like, you know, a Leatherman with a whole bunch of different things that they can do. But like, you know, maybe you don't want to perform surgery with Leatherman. So it's if you if you have Bryn in the game, especially if he's playing against second units, maybe there's somebody who you can hide him on defensively, where he's not going to be a complete liability. Um, so so I think his role moving forward definitely is coming off the bench. The question then becomes, can you justify keeping him and Patty? And I would guess that the Spurs would prefer to keep Patty. For his veteran leadership and every, no everything what else. Being kept and like people engage in any like it's just not in the conversation to have. The, the Spurs are going to keep Patty, and even like holding him out and having him act as a coach, you know, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Patty retired. I mean, Patty's just 31 years old, by the way. I mean, he's still got like four years at least in his game. I wouldn't be surprised when Patty retires. He's automatically brought into the Spurs organization as, I don't know, a coach. I don't know. I don't know if he'll go right to the Spurs staff. I don't know if he'll go and work with, you know, the higher ups. I don't know if he'll go down to Austin and coach. But that dude is staying with the Spurs through and through. And I think the Spurs are already training him to be some sort of future asset for the organization moving forward. So, you know, he's not going to make whatever money he made off his last deal the next time around, but they're going to keep him because they think he provides something that no other player in the NBA can provide, especially with leadership. And, you know, there is something to that. I don't think $12 million worth, but every single player on that team respects the hell out of Patty. And that matters that like, it absolutely does matter that he is kind of the, the, the glue. He is the glue. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, Marco will not be re-signed next year, almost 1000% confident on that. And if you want to sign Bryn for pennies and do a one year deal, I think there's, I think it's worth looking into and seeing if somebody wants to overpay for Bryn, then have Bryn, you know, I, you know, if you want to take the good with the bad, that's on you for a certain price. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I think that uh, overall, we're excited to see what the Spurs can try to do here in these last five games. And we're pretty encouraged. I mean, it's, it's fun. And I don't know if the Spurs are going to make the playing game, but it's been so much fun to watch. Even when they lost yesterday, it was a, it was a fun loss. It hurt. It stinks. But the fact that it does hurt means that you care and you actually have expectations again. And that's great because before this, I think we all said, who gives a crap? You know, we just want to see positives, but even pop yesterday was pissed, you know, pop who really has downplayed all the like, ah, the playoffs, yada, yada, yada is about development. Pop is still very competitive and he hated that loss yesterday because of silly mistakes that could have been fixed. We're fighting to get into playoffs. So it stings a lot. So, Evan, before there, you talked a little bit about Patty Mills' leadership and the way he's been basically taking on an assistant coach's role in the first couple of scrimmages and games. Uh, it wasn't until the injuries that he stepped into the lineup. Um, and he has been – he basically said that he's been doing that so that the young guys can have an opportunity. and. Um, you know, that's, that's why Patty Mills will one day have his jersey in the AT&T Center rafters. That's why he's worth keeping around, uh, you know, and he's, he's still hitting some big shots, but he is a born leader and, uh, not just on this team, but, but in the world, um, donating all of his game checks to causes to help fight for racial justice. Uh, there was a, a New York Times profile on him uh, that Mark Stein wrote the other day. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, and it tells a story about how he showed up to kindergarten class as the only black kid and got, got punched for it. Um, and he's been, he's been dealing with racism like that for for his whole life so uh, he's been a really outspoken leader in this bubble and, and pretty much everybody 
on the Spurs has had thoughts on the, on the topic of social justice. Um, but yeah, Patty's, Patty's leadership has been uh, worth, worth every penny, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's, he's not, not just an inspiration, but he's teaching these, these young guys. Um, and it's, it's so wonderful to have somebody like him around this team uh, and, and just makes it more fun to root for. Um, you know, it's, they, they said uh, after the other game, it was DeJounte and Derek were talking about playing with each other specifically. And they said, you know, that they like each other off the court and that breeds success on the court. And I don't know how anybody can, can watch this team and, and not like them. You know, they're, they're all incredibly likable guys. Um, so, so that has been a really fun element of, of the bubble is watching the growth and watching the leadership. And, and Patty and Pop have acknowledged this. This is a, a transition period for this team. This is a, uh, a re, rebuilding portion. And we're, the bubble spurs, to me, hiatus was cocoon we're seeing we're seeing what the what the spurs can look like moving forward and it's a, a beautiful butterfly uh so uh you, you like that one evan the, the, I, uh, I appreciate that one that one's a good one the <laughs> the, the imagery is just stellar but but it, it does look like a completely different uh, night and day from what we've seen from from this team uh since the beginning of the year i want to get into a preview of the next game against the nuggets another weird matchup for the spurs another team dealing with some serious injuries uh the nuggets are going to be without jamal murray for this one gary harris uh and will barton as well um so they, they they were the talk of the bubble in the scrimmages when they they threw out like a five center lineup uh just to mess with people interesting to watch how how they match up uh with the spurs they're coming off an overtime win in which michael porter jr scored a career high 37 points yikes uh interesting week for uh that fellow yeah we'll we'll see if the spurs have a a vaccine or antidote to deal with Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and then another big matchup with Nicole Yoke against Yoke. What are you looking for in this uh, game? You know, um, this has to be a Pirtle game. Like, it ha- Pirtle has to do his job on Jokic. And Pirtle, for me, Pirtle really – in the um, in the Grizzlies game, it was like it showed how much Pirtle was needed in that contest. And then the Sixers game, it just was. It, I mean, you had the fouls, which was a mess. Then he was on the court and looked like a mess. And you just kind of get reminded that Pirtle is not a day in, day out. I got it, sort of guy. And some matchups for him, he gets overwhelmed. Um, sometimes he's overwhelming. He's like, I just. You know, you kind of fall in love with him, and then he has one of those games where you're like, okay, I got to, like, just bring it back a little bit. Um, so I'm expecting big things out of Pirtle uh, because he needs a step up. I'm really curious how the Spurs are going to handle the size. It's a bit concerning. Um, 
Now, uh, you know, it's, it's, it could work out in their favor. I mean, you know, they're going to draw a lot of people out, you know, I'm assuming if they're, if they have the ball movement, like they're doing and they're, and they're running towards the paint and kicking out and running towards the paint, and kicking out, I mean, the bigger dudes aren't going to be able to keep up with that. So, um, you know, I would expect that the Spurs probably try to allow them, uh, allow the Nuggets to shoot threes, probably have some open looks and just pray that they miss some threes because with that size, I think that's really the only kind of antidote they have. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised with, with how DeJounte, Lonnie, Derek have been able to kind of play a bit bigger. Um, so that, you know, it's a game to me, I think they, they have to win because the Nuggets aren't all there. So that, it's kind of a must win in my eyes. Um, totally agree. It, it is absolutely a must win game for them, especially looking at the, the rest of the schedule. You got the jazz twice. Those will be tough matchups. The schedule gets tougher for the Spurs moving forward. And this is a game that this Nuggets team is good. They've got good players healthy still, uh, but their lack of guard depth is really something that the Spurs are going to need to exploit. It's, it's a weird matchup, but it's a weird matchup both ways, right? Yeah. The Nuggets have all the size, uh, but the Spurs are going to be probably faster than them. And, you know, if you can get DeJounte or Derek or DeMar or Lonnie out on an island with a big defender, uh, they, can, they can cook those guys. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting matchup just from a personnel standpoint. Um, and I think this team is going to be highly motivated. Uh, they're, they're coming off a gut punch of a loss. They're, they're really going to want to win this game. No, and um, they're still pissed at Denver for last season when they lost in seven yeah. games. So, you know, I think they only played, they only played Denver once this past, before the stoppage. I, I forget. I, I think it was, it was once or twice. Yeah. I, I only remember one game. Um, but yeah, so you know, I definitely think um, got you got to take care of the the Nuggets. Uh, I think the you know they have the Jazz. I think the Jazz. You have two games against the Jazz. I don't think that's the scariest proposition. Uh, they don't have Bogdanovich, so that's helpful. The Jazz haven't looked too great in the bubble. They're beatable. They're, They're a bit, beatable. A bit discombobulated, obviously. You know, Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell. So whatever, and they have great, and they got Gobert, and they got some great pieces. But you figure. Pearl can do his thing with Gobert. Um, I think the Spurs actually this year played pretty well against the Jazz. Um, I remember them winning at Utah. I believe they won at the AT&T Center as well against the Jazz. So that's just off the top of my head. It's been almost uh, two years in my brain since that moment. Um, And then, you know, the Rockets is going to be a brawl of a game. So... And forget their other their fifth opponent. So the remaining schedule, no more back to backs, and it's uh, Denver, Utah, New Orleans, Houston, Pelicans, Utah. Yeah. Need so, yeah, to the, beat Denver. Need to beat Utah at least once. Need to beat New Orleans. Yeah, I mean New Orleans um, win for sure. And yeah. man, I just uh oh, if they just like it was crazy, I was ready to ride this hype train that they might get the eight seed. And and I got okay, so I got a few things that I'm seeing on Twitter that I just need to vent quickly. 
be very quick here. A, the Memphis thing, I will continue to tote this. Memphis did not get screwed. They actually got a very favorable hand drawn to them because they had the hardest schedule left with 20-some-odd games. All right? I'm, I'm going to fight that narrative forever. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the bubble, but Memphis did not get screwed, okay? This was actually a good scenario for them. All right, second, everyone please stop with the Lucas Shamanich takes, okay? <laughs> I can't take another Luka Shamanich take, all right? Just because Keldon's playing and Luka's not isn't how bad Luka is. It's how impressive Keldon is. Keldon is, is showing such maturity at a young age. We knew Luka was not going to be a factor this year, despite the fact that he was a the 19th overall pick. You drafted him because you knew he was going to take a ton of time. Keldon was way more ready for NBA ball coming out of Kentucky. Uh, he, not that you weren't going to bring him to Austin anyway, but if you had to tell me who was going to play for the Spurs first, I would have told you Keldon on draft day, not Luca. Right. Because Luca was always drafted as a project. So one year into it, one year into it, we don't determine what projects are. 2022, we will talk. I will say this. Luca does not look good, but, but he's a project, all right? Uh, he, he's a project. Uh, right. Three, Brandon Clark is fantastic, okay? 1,000%. I still do not know what Brandon Clark's ceiling is, but he is great in that role. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think Brandon Clark is – like, he. I guess you'd have to be like Montrezl Harrell to make an all-star game. I, like, I just – I don't see him as an all-star player. I see him as just an unbelievable complimentary player on a, t on, a, on a playoff team and somebody that can make a run. I don't know why they don't throw him an oop on every possession. And uh, four, um, I want to say that I'm a, I'm a little impressed with Quindary and Eubanks. I haven't been yep. the biggest Eubanks fan. Uh, I've admitted that before. I think last night against the, the Sixers, he played a – very good complimentary role in a very tough spot for him. Was very impressed. And Q looked a lot better against the Sixers than I thought, saw earlier. And not that he looked bad earlier, just at some point he looked a bit discombobulated. He felt much more in rhythm in that Sixers game. Yeah, he looked he tentative in the previous game, but he looked uh, confident and almost cocky in the, in the Sixers game. He was, he was, uh, he, he ripped a steal and then ripped a three pull up and transition right after it was really nice to watch um and yeah as as far as the brandon clark lucas samanich goes uh I'm, I'm ready to close the book on that for uh for this season unless unless he has a breakout game against denver because they need big bodies uh i'm i'm pretty much ready to to close the book on that we'll we'll reassess next year we're done yeah. talking about lucas samanich just for for this nba season it's just like i'm not uh, people like it just there's no take to have yet. Like, can we please, like, Brandon Clark is three years older. Like, his body is filled out. Like, he was – I, I will say – Transferring from San Jose State. That's where he was at this point in Luca's life. So I, – I will say Clark probably would have helped these Spurs, especially oh, with his size um, and, and their, their defensive problems throughout the year. Um, before we go, we're going to do a couple of things. First – we're going to do a big fun question, uh, and this is one that I want to hear your thoughts on because I had a, a a bit of a troll post on this, but, uh, you know, a, a troll post with some truth to it. I said that Derek White was uh, Clay Thompson with dribbles. 
obviously exaggerating slightly. Clay's <laughs> probably the second greatest shooter of all time. Uh, but I was curious, Evan, what's what's your comp for Derek White right now? Oh man, wow. Um, that's a really good question. It's not Clay Thompson with dribbles. I would say that. Though <laughs> no, I love where you're going. I love where your head's at. Maybe maybe Danny Green with the dribble package? Um, you know what? I, I think he's – I'll say this. I think he's a, a, a better version of Danny Green. Um, he could do a lot more. But he's like a really good pure point guard too. So it, It's really tough. I mean, like – Honestly, the way that I view Derek White is like, uh, okay, this is not going to make sense to a lot of people, but I'm just going to say it and explain it. But like Jeff McNeil for the Mets, all right? This is a guy like, he's just like that ultra utility player who can, he can hit a home run. Okay. He can get a double when you need it. He's going to make a great defensive play. He's going to be, you know, getting dirty. Like he's just like a guy that's like, it's just like, I don't know, like he's everywhere. And just like you look down at his stats, you're like, oh, this is like really impressive. But nobody talks about him. He's just like, I don't like, man, he is, he is such a tough, he is like the ultimate Swiss army knife. He really, like, he beats you in so many ways. And if he like just continues this confidence and shoots those threes um, and, and starts averaging, I don't know, like what's his potential, like, 15 points per game i mean 20 22 22 i mean i like i don't know like derek to me if he like starts letting these threes fly i mean like to me i think he's probably the best he might be the next all-star for the spurs i still can't believe that i asked you for a a player a player comp for derek white and you gave me somebody on the mets (laughs) My brain still needs a second to process that, but I understand what you're saying because he's a gamer. He does everything yeah, in the like game. Yeah, it's like when I watch McNeil, I'm so happy uh, watching him, and I'm like, wow, like he needs to be on Tom Amansky's like next tape for fundamentals, and like I need Derek White teaching a master class. Like that's what I yes. need to be doing. Yes, a hundred percent. You know who I think it is? I I think it's Kyle Lowry uh, with a, with a yeah. little bit better defense. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of see that like a little bit of a bigger version. If he just has a little bit more swagger to his game, right? I, I think I exactly. Think that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, that's a, that's the make it break difference from all the comps to me is just I haven't necessarily we've seen little bits of Derek kind of having that spark and that that swag to him, and those are what yeah. the best players have. And I, you know, I need that every single night. Um, but I'll get back to you. I like, I, I, he's such a tough, con- like, I mean, how many players are like as good defensively as him um, and also can play the point as well as he does, can also provide three point depth. Uh, it just, man, like he, he does everything well, like every single entity he does well and he does some things great. You know, like it just. Uh, another guy I would say is maybe uh, Drew Holiday, who does a lot of a lot of different things on the court. Yeah, again, and then you say Drew Holiday, and right, like the, like I think about just like Drew Holiday though, like just breathes confidence. Like it's just that's what's so tough about the comp because Derek is so like mild mannered, and in his career he's kind of like progressed so quickly. I mean, this is a 
kid that played D2 ball and then just like, you know, kind of grew and like, it was like, holy smokes, I grew. And like, now I have all these talents come together at once and bam, I'm great at Colorado. Bam, I'm with the Spurs. We win a G League title. Bam, I'm scoring 36 on the Nugs in the playoffs. And it's, so it's like his whole career has kind of moved so fast. And I don't think like his confidence has caught up to the kid that was undersized and, you know, played with these other ballers and like always thought like, I don't know if I'm like, like going to be like that, you know, it just. I think, it, I think it's, I think it's getting there though. It is. No, Need to totally, see more of it, totally. but, but bubble, bubble Derek, chip tooth, Derek, chip, five chip. charges, Derek. Yeah. Chip tooth, Derek. Like That's, I, Derek. I would go to, I would go to war for him. I would go to war for him without question. Five charges, uh, and these were like outside of one half court charge, which is like kind of like a yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like four of them were legit charges that he just like. I mean, I mean people were driving. He, he literally he got like, kicked in the crotch and elbowed in the chops. <laughs> it was inc- it was incredible. Uh, well, I we I, I think we've uh, we've exhausted our imaginations on the Spurs yeah. fans out there. Uh, we'll have this big fun question up on our Twitter, which is at big fun pod on twitter.com. Uh, I'm at real Tom Petrini. Evan, what's your handle? At Evan Klaska. Keep it easy. Very simple. Not, not worried about uh, people impersonating you. No, if look, you got the, you got the check mark. Yeah, I got the check mark. And if anybody wants to impersonate me, then like, that is the ultimate form of flattery. I don't think I'm that important. <laughs> All right. Well, if any of you want to impersonate Evan between now and the next time, definitely send that my way. If you guys have any questions for us, tweet with hashtag big fun mailbag. And if it's appropriate, yes. keep it PG people. Yeah. We might talk about it on the next show. All right, Evan. Been good talking better. to you. Let's Excited hope. for this uh Excited for this next game, and uh, go Spurs go as always. Yeah, and uh, next time we'll talk, we should be in the final stretch here to see if the Spurs get to play in the play-in. And if that is a possibility, you better believe we're going to have the conversation of does the streak continue if they play in the play-in game? I am so ready for that semantic argument. It's I'm going, I am going to uh, – I'll leave the tease there because – I have a strong argument for why it does count.